This week's Dicebreaker podcast is sponsored by the Ultimate Deskmat 2 Kickstarter. Are you working from home? Want to spruce up your office? N3 is bringing joy and inspiration to your workspace with original art, high-performance, eco-conscious, oversized desk mats. Studies show when workspaces have art, people are up to 20% more productive. These desk mats are just what you need to transform and elevate the spaces where you work and play. Join the ranks of thousands of elated owners worldwide. With free sizes and over 20 styles to choose from, you're sure to find one to liven up any environment. Don't miss out. Back the ultimate desk mat now on Kickstarter. Find the link in the description. Hello and welcome back to the Dicebreaker podcast. This is episode 16. It's our sweet 16. We're sweet as ever and (laughs) something to do with the number 16. Other than sweet 16, I don't really know what 16 is used for. Um, But either way, we're happy to have you here on this, our sweet 16th episode. Uh, I'm Matt Jarvis, Editor-in-Chief of Dicebreaker, stumbling through this intro. uh, And this week, I am joined by three of the team. I'm joined by Johnny Chiadini, Head of Video for Dicebreaker. Johnny, how are you doing today? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm doing okay, thanks. Uh, And we are joined by two more of the team, the Alexes, as they're collectively known. Um, Although you may know them as Lolis and Mian. so, yes, it's uh, Alex Lowley's. How are you doing? I had to pick one of you, and I immediately confused myself by having called you both Alex, which is just the is the, an immediate no-no in the Dicebreaker team. <laughs> Hello, it's me, Alex Lowley's. Um, I just think this needs to be said right at the top of the podcast. Uh, it's a question that I think me and will stand by me. This is the Sweet 16th episode. Does that mean we both get cars, dads? Please. No. Oh. Uh, Wait. Ask- Ask your other dad. Uh, this podcast we'll, we'll is, find someone else. This podcast oh. is produced in uh, the UK, um, and the legal driving age here is seventeen. So, no yeah. dice, I'm afraid. Oh, next week, okay. Yeah, yeah. no dice, fairy or otherwise. Yeah, hanging in the. I yeah, I think we should just get cars, but like, <laughs> but like. Maybe just don't drive them. Just like sit in them and pretend we're driving them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We'll just hang Model out. cars. Yeah. Um, we'll sit in there and make car noises. I'll take one of those. You know those cars that like um, fancy kids have. Those like electric ones. <laughs> like, I'll take <laughs> yeah. one of those. <laughs> I can legitimately imagine me and Lonely <laughs> driving around. In those. Sunglasses on. Yeah, can't quite Sun fit inside. Down. Yeah, not built for people. Of our <laughs> oh my god! Please, let's do this. Uh, of course, completing the team as I try to, you know, get through the intro before we start talking about cars and other things that aren't board games is Alex Meehan, the other Alex. How are you doing today, Meehan? I'm doing all right. Um, yeah, don't, I don't say because of the lack of a car. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to have a car, but then I had to I had to get rid of it. So that's a little bit of a emotional spot for me, you know, because I loved the car in a platonic way. Um, but you know, there's certain issues with parking. This is wild and really interesting. But yeah, I love I that think... you had to clarify that it was in a platonic <laughs> way. <laughs> well, people might be asking. There might be a whole Wikipedia page on Mian's car. What happened? To it? <laughs> I want to make sure they've got the details. But um, 
Yeah, we should have like a wild pie, I think, Matt, for our sweet 16. Yes. Uh, yes we'll see what have... we can do. Of course, you know, the the whole, you know, there's no no parties happening at the moment. So we'll see we'll see in about 6 months. And then oh, Okay. Well, we'll, we'll yeah. hold you to that. <laughs> Please do not. Uh, we are here, of course, to talk about board games and tabletop RPGs and all manner of things on the tabletop, along with various other things, if that wasn't clear enough already. Yeah. Um, so let's start. Let's go in reverse order this week. Let's start with you, me, and circling back round. What have you been playing recently? Oh, my goodness. You got me on the spot. Uh, I have been playing... Uh, okay, so Lolis and I are going to have the same issue here. Uh, we've both been playing a game. Uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, it's called Fort. Before it. Um, yeah. Uh, Loli's played it um, <coughs> at PAX Unplugged. East. <laughs> East. Oops. PAX East. That's the one. Um, and you seem to really like it. Did you not, Loli's? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, More about that later. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And I've been playing it for the first time uh, with with my housemate, and uh, safe to say I can see their hype. Um, hype! Yeah, the this the lovely box, everything in it. Mm. The production value is. Oh yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? I opened it and I was like, everything is so sturdy. Like I feel like mm. I could roll over this with a car and it would be fine. Oh wow, more car talk, huh? <laughs> yeah, once I get that car, that'll be the yeah. first thing I do. <laughs> You're gonna drive over a box of Ford. Well, no, I don't think the Ford, the the box would survive it. The, just oh. the, the actual pieces inside. They get all wedged in the little um, bits of the tire. You've yeah, just got like... like twelve tiny hexagonal pizzas just lodged in a tire. <laughs> oh, that that would be excellent. Um. Yeah, no, uh, I can't say too much, but uh, safe to say, uh, I can see the hype. Um, <laughs> other than that, uh, I've also been playing um, more Clank with my friends. Um, the the original one, they were like, teach us how to play Clank. And I was like, okay, I'll get this really cool mod up and then we'll play it. And they really enjoyed it, and now I really, really want a physical copy of that game, so I'm going to be rooting around for one. Um, and we might try some of the expansions at some point, because I've only played the base game. Um, and I've also not been playing, but I just have to I have to talk about this. The others are going to be bored, because I went on about it on Friday. But this has to be... I have to tell other people they need to know this happened to me. So... <laughs> My oh, yeah. house, my housemate <laughs> came back on Friday morning after going out and getting some stuff. And outside our flat, there was a copy of a game called Atmosphere. Just sat outside there with a sticky note on it that just said, everything's in it except for the DVD. You can find them on eBay. That's exactly what the note said. And my friend was like, oh, I found this game. Uh, I'll bring it in. I was like, okay. And as soon as she brought it in, my eyes just like popped out of my head. Because I know this game. I know what it is. It's just this really weird, wonderful, very of its time, like 90s, um, originally VHS game. 
where a man just like yells at you. Not just a man though, the uh, gatekeeper. Sorry. Mm-hmm. sorry. The gatekeeper, as he says. Um and you have to like go around a board and every so often the gatekeeper turns up on the screen and he basically berates you uh, and calls you maggots and tells you to get in in an, in the hole i think it's called uh, and essentially it's just a very simple roll and move game which usually i would hate but the gatekeeper is what sort of elevates the experience above your standard kind of snakes and ladders mm. scenario it was um, um... It, it was originally released on VHS. I have a copy with the VHS still in it, and the game itself <laughs> is still shrink-wrapped, incredibly. Oh I'm waiting God. for the right time to bust that one out. But um, in the US, it was called Nightmare, but it was renamed to Atmosphere here because, obviously, there was a clash with Nightmare, the TV show. Yes, mm. which I also love. So, mm. like, the there's, there's a strange sort of, like... Yeah, like collection of things connected to nightmare and atmosphere, and just to say for say, as soon as she bought in, I was like, "It's got to be haunted. This has got to be cursed in some way, because I just find the odds of this happening to be like just off the wall." I know it's available on YouTube, so I don't even need to get the DVD. Um, so as soon as you know, I can in the physical proximity of several people again I am busting this out and we are playing Atmosphere and with a few drinks preferably and I cannot wait to report back whenever that happens I do love the innocence of someone leaving a note to be like oh you can find the DVD on eBay as if A, (laughs) the specific DVD of Atmosphere is going to be sold by itself on eBay and it's going to be somehow just as easy to find as a complete copy of the game. And B, like, whoever finds that game isn't immediately just going to find it on YouTube mm. somewhere. <laughs> I don't uh, know if I'm remembering this right, but I feel like I have a vague recollection of me taking note of the game Atmosphere. Because I think, was it before Christmas or something, Johnny did, I think, a charity stream with outside Xbox and Extra. And I feel like a question was asked, and... I don't remember exactly what the question was. Was it like, what game would you like to collaborate with Dicebreak on video or what's your favorite board game or something? But I feel like Mm. Andy from outside Xbox might have said that Atmosphere was the game. Um, I might be misremembering that, but there you go. That could be a collab right there. uh, Yeah, we should absolutely do it once we can, Um, whether by VHS or DVD. Personally, I struggle (laughs) to believe that anything as recent enough to have a DVD in it can be haunted. Like a haunted <laughs> board game with a VHS, yeah. I've got the Star Trek Next Generation one up there. I could believe there's a I ghost living that in one. that. Yeah, it's the Klingon <laughs> one. But I, I just I struggle to believe that your DVD less DVD copy of Atmosphere is is gonna be haunted. Not to burst just, your bubble. No, it's not it's not like it's not like oh I really want to be haunted right now. I really I I really want that experience. It's more of the fact that it's just the way it appeared. Just mm. Yeah, it's very mysterious. And yeah, of all the households mysterious. in all of the area that where you live, to like leave it outside your house with a note mm. that feels yeah. like it was written especially for you. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> it's very strange. this is I feel like I've been chosen. 
And also, mm -hmm. it was covered in dirt as well, which I think adds to Wow, someone <laughs> dug it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you actually opened the it box? It was buried not... with somebody. And yeah, I was, was going like... to say. <laughs> someone didn't use it as like a makeshift coffin for like a hamster or something, did they? And oh, you... no. And... If I opened that box and there was just a hamster skeleton in it, I would be really disappointed. Well, then it would. Well, then why would they write that note? <laughs> Just about the DVD. Missing DVD, also dead hamster inside. Well, they did say Do everything was in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everything you desire. <laughs> Which might be a dead hamster, we don't know. Oh, I God. think there, there was a remake of Atmosphere Nightmare at some point in... In the recent past, mm. which probably means the last 10 years, which isn't all that recent. <laughs> but I feel like they did, they remade it or they tried to remake it. Maybe it was a Kickstarter. I don't know if it was successful. I can't remember now. I think I think I also heard about something like that. I can't remember. It's just, remember. yeah, it, it feels very 90s. Like those, um, the Scenic games. <laughs> it used oh, to be yeah. like, here's a, here's a clip of television. Now answer a question. It yeah. was now just for two hours. Or, or like on when DVD menus used to have games on them. Oh yeah. Like it's of such of it's such an over its era thing mm. that I kind of love it. Like just the VHS explosion where everyone and everything was on was on a VHS, including this. And they made a lot of them. Like I think they're at least free, mm -hmm. not more. So um, yeah. That happened to me. So if I, I don't know, if I never come back to this podcast, you know why. <laughs> I've been claimed by the the atmosphere ghost. Hamster. The hamster, yeah. Atmosphere All right. ghost hamster. That's the, <laughs> that's the podcast title, so enough, isn't it? <laughs> well, you never know. But uh, it's a strong contender out the gate, it has to be said. By the way, Atmosphere is clearly the drinking game name. Oh my god, Atmosphere. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh no, there's no way in, in hell I'd ever play this soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, moving on, Lolies, as Fort's already come up, let's move on to you, because you've also been playing Fort along with some other things as well, I believe. Yeah, Fort's yeah. On Fort. Fort. I, I was one of the, the members of the team who was blessed by the Fort gods. And um, got 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 a coffee. So um, yeah, I played it at, as as me and uh, mentioned. I played it at Pax East, uh, and we really enjoyed it there. Um, we did a little video um, today. We played video on it where we talked about it as well. And we talked about how much we enjoyed it. So yeah, I got to play it again today for the first time since then, which is like hundred years ago um, and it was still great. Uh, I obviously won't go too much into it either if. If we're not allowed to talk about it, but um, yeah, we'll we talk about it more soon. Are, I think it, hmm? Sorry, I was going to say, we should be clear. These are, quote, first impressions. This is not a review of any kind mm -hmm. because yes. uh, the review embargo is later this month. Mm -hmm. So for the yes. time being, you know, I think you've both played it a couple of times, but maybe not enough to give a full review anyway. But just yeah. so folks are aware, mm. it is kind of first impressions. And that is all. Yeah. Please do not come after us. There will be, there will be more in-depth <laughs> reviews later in the time not on this podcast i also played I, I i was like felt really bad for the fact that the last two episodes i hadn't played a single board game so i was like right well i better get some games under my belt so um oh i wrote them on the sheet i've just completely forgotten what else i've played uh quacks oh yeah i had a game of quacks at the weekend quacks of quedlinburg of course mm. um 
I lost terribly. It was sad. Um, I got off to a really strong start. And then it got to this point where, like, there's these event cards at the beginning of each round. And the event card was like, take four victory points or remove one white chip from your bag. And I was, and um, my opponent, who's exactly four points behind me, took the four victory points. And I was like, okay, do I take four victory points to make sure I stay ahead? Or do I get rid of one one chip, which will help me throughout the game? And I decided to remove the one one chip because I was like, let's make it interesting. Let's just bring it back to us being on equal footing and see how we go. And then she absolutely destroyed me. <laughs> oh. um, but I, I think those four points wouldn't have made a difference, to be honest. It was just a lot of choices mm. that were made along the way. Uh, so, yeah, I played that. And I played Tobago, which is one of my favorite games, but I never really play. And I actually really want to get a copy of it, but I don't have a copy of it. And I love it. And it's great. Have, you, have any of you played Tobago? I don't mm-hmm. think so. Really? Oh, it's this really great game where you have an ATV and you have this map and it's like a modular map because it's like, I think it's double-sided and they kind of fit differently. So you've got a couple of options of maps you can use. Um, And there's different terrains. There's like mountains, rivers, shrubs, beaches, forests, I think. Um, And you've got like four different color cubes, black, brown, white, gray, all my favorite cube colors. And um, you... (laughs) Each have like a couple of um, cards in your hand that will indicate to you where or like will narrow down the location of a treasure. And so like the card might say it's in the biggest mountain area or it's next to a beach or it's uh, not in the river. Um, And you play that card next to one of the colored cubes. So I might play it next to the black cube. So I know that the black cube is not in a river. And then um, I can keep playing cards to narrow down the location. There's cubes on the map, and you eventually, like you keep taking the cubes away, um, or placing down cubes depending, um, until you like narrow down to one cube for each color, and then you like have to travel there and and like get the treasure. And then it, it's great. It's there's a lot to it. Um, if I try to explain it on this podcast, but it's really really fun. And I don't think I've really played anything that's quite like it. Um, but it's quite hard to get a hold of now, I think. I was going to say, is it, re- well, again, reset, is it like last 10 years? Is it older than that? I've I've never come across it before. Really? Um, yeah. It must be last 10 years because it's like, it's it looks pretty like modern-ish for a board game. I'm going to have a quick look because uh, I'd like to know now as well. Oh. It's 2009. So oh, wow, okay. Just over 10 years. Wow, it sounds that's actually older. a little bit like, have you played Cryptid? Cryptid? No, haven't. Because I don't know if it's similar at all. I think it was just when you were mentioning cubes and kind of searching for something. I think in that you search for like a like a uh, supernatural monster or some kind. Okay. But I don't think you play cards, so it's at least a little bit different. But yeah. that's what it immediately reminded me of. But it sounds oh, pretty cool. It's so I'm good. Interested. Yeah, there's like these statues that move around. So every time you get a treasure, these statues um, drop an amulet and then they t- like slowly turn in a different look uh, direction. And they always drop an amulet in the way that they're facing. Um, and those amulets help you do stuff. It's so, like, the theme is great. Like, I love it so much. But I, I feel like you're not the first people who, where I've, like, talked about it and they haven't known what it is. So I don't really understand why it hasn't taken off. Blown maybe, up. Or, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's got 7.1 on BGG, which is fairly decent. But it's a good game. You should try it out. Yeah, it sounds good. 
I'll check okay. it out. Have you also on this note? Have you played the Quacks expansion? I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, the which which one? Yeah, I that's the one. Called, I, I played it ages ago, but um, it's all right. It's um, it, no, it's it's fairly good actually. But there's one bit which I'm not uh, very fussed. Have you played it? No, I've played the original game, and I think I don't know if we've ever. Uh, spoken about this directly I'm not that fussed by quacks and I know that you're a big fan of quacks oh no I don't think it's bad I just think it's okay Johnny's hiding <laughs> I've never met anyone who doesn't like it I don't actually dislike it. Like, I met one person who doesn't like it but he was weird well make <laughs> that too <laughs> oh wow okay I've, I'm surprised have you only played it once though no, I, I reviewed it, so I played it a load of times. Oh. But, um, yeah, like, again, like, I didn't I didn't dislike it. I just came away thinking, like, yeah, that's that's perfectly fine. Yeah, like, it's neat, the, the drawing for the bag stuff, but I just never felt any impulse to really play it after that or introduce it to other people. I know that that's kind of, that's damned me in your eyes, but... No, definitely, no, it hasn't. Um, I just <laughs> it's, feel it's like... I feel, I feel like you don't understand. I feel, wow. like you need, I feel like I need to make you understand. <laughs> okay, you know, it, it's been a while since I played, so I'm, you know, I'm open-minded. I'd, I'd be open to being brought around to Quacks. Okay. So, let's play some We'll, wor- we'll, wor- we'll workshop yeah. it. We'll workshop yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Is that everything you've been um, playing, ladies? Yeah. Keep your yeah, eye think... on this narrative, guys. <laughs> this narrative phrase. It's the new Scythe update. <laughs> Has Matt played Quacks? Gaslighting Matt. A new update. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just... um, It is... I just... Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe... I I just don't understand how you can't like it. It's so good. <laughs> Again, I don't um... not like it. I just don't love it. Let's be clear. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's right. like... It's like... It's like a ticket to ride. I don't like Ticket to Ride. And everyone oh, see, else this likes is, Ticket yeah, to Ride. This is where so, we differ. Yeah, I think please. we need to go our separate ways, Matt. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's not you, but it is you. It's quacks. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, moving on to Johnny before this before this friendship cannot be repaired. Yep. Uh, Johnny, what have you been playing? And please um, say something that we like. It's slim pickings. <laughs> just before we get onto it, just because somebody said the word embargo, and this happens to me every single time, uh, the Python picked the passion fruit, the marmoset, the mandarin, the parent painted packets that the whole could be landed in. So if you want some sun and fun and goodness in the jungle, they all prefer the sunny funny one they call a mongo. Um, I've been playing 40k. Um, uh, I love that you just casually sit there in there and then just roll on, like, just leave that. What was that? It's the same tune to the advert from, like, a mongo. It's a fruity Mm. drink. Yeah, no, I know what that is. I just, (laughs) for years... As soon as you said umbongo, I was like... (laughs) That's not what I was just expecting. For, right for years, I've just privately referred to embargoes as umbongos. So it, oh. it just earworms me every time. I had to get it out. It's a bit Fair of nostalgia. Enough. Let's get past it. Um, okay. I've been playing 40k. I've not been playing 40k because it's been hard to organise games, obviously. The last time I tried to play, uh, models were blowing across my friend's garden because it was a really blustery day. But I have been immersing myself in Warhammer 40k Uh because obviously I've got the bug now, and so I've been putting together um, an Adeptus Sororitas army, the Sisters of Battle. So I've just been gluing and painting all the time. Uh, and when I haven't been doing that, I've been playing Deadlands, because I'm always playing Deadlands. Um, Deadlands tonight! Yeah, going to be playing tonight. Um, and then I don't know when the next session I'm running is after that. And then I'm playing again on Sunday. A lot of Deadlands, basically. I'm in three different campaigns, running two, playing in one. So yeah, that's about the size of it. Not much changes. 
Are you still running your campaigns as reloaded campaigns? Or have you moved on up to Wild West? One of them is is fully set in Weird West. Weird West, um, sorry. With the new Savage Worlds uh, rules. One of them is mostly in Reloaded. Because um, one of the characters is playing as a Blessed. And they change the way Blessed uh, characters work. Because in Deadlands Reloaded, you can cast pretty much any power in the game. You don't have to acquire it as a spell. You just you pray for it, and it gives you a, a negative uh, modifier on your roll depending on how high up the power is. Um, but so theoretically, you could cast anything. Um, but now you just have power points like any other magic user. You learn powers in sequence, and also the um, the impact of sinning has changed. So we're kind of building up slowly to that one. Um, yeah, and then the so the one I'm playing in is full Weird West. Then there's the Reloaded one, and the other one I'm running, which has both of the Alex's is, is, is in. I'd say it's more Weird West than it is Reloaded at this point. Mm. So yeah, yeah, we've definitely um, hopped over in some ways to mm. Weird West um, in some of the changes. Uh, I obviously I don't know a huge amount of the difference, but from what I've seen and experienced, I generally like the changes. Mm. Um, and it's good to have a GM who's willing to let their players sort of change things a little bit just to just to suit what they need. So Well, it's kind of we've moved to an updated rule set, so some of the skills don't really make mm. sense at the levels some characters have taken them. So, you know, it's just it only seems fair to be flexible. But um most ex- excitingly about Deadlands, they've opened up the pledge manager. Uh, on the Kickstarter, so you can add little extras, um, including a little Marshall, like Marshall's tin star. Oh. So oh. I'll have a little Marshall's badge to wear while I'm running the game oh. because I'm sad. <laughs> we love that. Oh, I love that. Right, it's Matt so Jarvis. Hello, it's me. What have you been playing? Before we move on, it's worth plugging a load of things that, well, Johnny in particular has done, because you've mentioned Warhammer, Deadlands, and uh, something else that I've now instantly entered, gone out of my mind because Mbongo took its place. Um, (laughs) But of course you you can watch, well, both both Alex's and Johnny and myself and Will's play uh, Deadlands on the channel. The mm-hmm. new mm-hmm. Deadlands, the new uh, in which well. your characters from your off-screen game make an appearance as well. Yeah, Charles yeah. McGinty Howdy and Charles and P. Howdy. McGinty, yeah. and um, also Johnny wrote a review of the new Warhammer box set, Indomitus, mm. um, for the website, which is worth checking out because it sounds every time there's a new Warhammer set, I'm like, oh, that sounds really great, and then I remember that I don't have the space for like 60 Necrons, as yeah. much as I would love to have the space for 60 Necrons. <laughs> Um, and also have no one to really play against, particularly at the moment. So, but every time it just gets a little closer to the edge, mm. and I'm about to break. <laughs> are, you, uh, <laughs> are you like those? Um, you know those coin things, the game, the machines at amusement yeah. parks, and you're like hanging over the edge. Yeah. And people keep putting more in, and it's like pushing you, but you're still hanging on to the mm. edge, and you're mm-hmm. like, we're like, come on, drop already. Yeah. Like Except that. instead of like a single two p piece. It's a one hundred pound box of plastic. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, but I haven't. I haven't been playing Warhammer, but I have been playing something else, uh, which is under embargo. It's a very embargo heavy uh, episode this week. Umbongo. I've been playing um, um, under embargo, under embargo, whatever you want to call it. I can't say much about it. And that game is Pandemic Legacy Season Zero, <gasps> which, as of the time of this recording, I believe 
has been revealed. If not, you won't be hearing any of this if they push it back. Um, but as of <laughs> yesterday, Thursday, they will have revealed uh, Pandemic Legacy Season 0. Um, and we will have an interview with Matt Leacock and Rob Davio, the co-designers on the site, uh, chatting about its Cold War setting, because it is a prequel, as the name suggests. It is set during the Cold War, um, and there are a number of things that are new for both the series and Pandemic as a whole. And I've also been playing it, but I can't say anything much about it. So I'm wording my sentences very carefully. But it is Cold War, and when it starts, there are no diseases, which particularly at the moment is quite a nice thing. So mm. it starts, and you are you are medical students who have been recruited by the CIA, and you are being chased by Soviet agents because you're trying to track down a secret bioweapon that the Soviets are rumoured to have, so you're seeking out rumours. This is, yeah, this is all fine. I'm just checking myself because I've also played that's about a handful of games now, so I'm trying not to A, spoil anything, <laughs> B, reveal anything that's under embargo. But you start uh, as as these doctors turned secret agents, and you, because it's the Cold War, different cities are affiliated with different sides so there's the obviously the western block there's the soviet block and then there are neutral cities um so there's the the whole map again so season two kind of had you explore the map and reveal it as you went this time you start with the entire map but it's at points harder to get around because uh, there are different affiliations on the board and you have a passport that has multiple aliases in and you can create disguises so in, I think in season two they added Disguises, they just had say. kind of like set <laughs> characters so they just had you know here's, here's a person with this haircut and these accessories or in this one you have a load of bald people with <laughs> blank faces and then you can add hats and facial hair and this that and the other and it's you can do that creation oh my god multiple Jason times Bourne. in this passport because you have to have multiple aliases to travel between the different um, territories and the different affiliations. Um, Lolis is just. I hang in there, buddy. <laughs> without without making any, let's say, review-like judgments that might be under embargo until a later date, I would say that this game seems really interesting and <laughs> like the kind of thing I might enjoy. <laughs> At a later Thank date. You. <laughs> um, Thank you, Robo Matt. I can't. Update. I can't hear you referring to the cold war now without thinking will they won't they yeah <laughs> after last week's last week's podcast i don't know why you're looking at like that me and because you're the one who made this a thing <laughs> oh hang on no wait i remember what you're talking about now no yeah because i described the cold war as being like a will they won't they scenario but that was twisted by certain people on the podcast um you know uh, i would like pandemic season zero to have romantic elements in it i so far let's say <laughs> as far as i as far as i am both aware and as far as as i can say without tying myself into some corner somewhere there are no romantic elements in pandemic legacy <gasps> season Spoilers. zero um so but yes we i will obviously there will be more to say on pandemic legacy season zero once that embargo lifts um in that a few weeks time amazing. Uh, with a full review there will also be a video which should be live as of now uh going through some of the things um you should be excited about 
Uh, so head on over to the YouTube channel for that. But like I say, so far it seems it seems and it sounds really interesting. Um, and also we've got that full uh, interview with the co-creators, kind of just chatting about what they did that's new and kind of how where this all came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's I think it's particularly interesting because this game was designed a long time ago. So they started designing it before season two was even out. So before 2017, like the end of 2016. Um, they started working on this and then obviously everything happened this year um, and understandably the the release date was pushed back and the announcement was pushed back but actually at the start of the game uh, again without going into spoilers or anything under embargo at the start of the game there is no there's no pandemic it's it's all secret agent spy stuff um, which is and it's yeah it's it's really it's really cool and really mm. neat and <laughs> and of the things I can say, I think it's really cool so far and <laughs> you you should look for more on that at some point Ooh. okay including let's move on before I you can shag a virus <laughs> Whoa! goodness you didn't rule out oh. romance oh. <laughs> <laughs> this well, podcast you know... is no longer PG13. I said Shaq. You know, it's got, like, character creation in it, which is already something I very much enjoy in a lot of things. Uh, So it might have romance in it, which I also enjoy in a lot of things. So you never know. But I'd be very interested to find out uh, how, whether there were any changes and how many there were ever since all this happened. Because I imagine... A lot of this was just decided years and years ago when it was first being developed, which is amazing. And probably the only reason why the game is coming out now. <laughs> um, or coming out soon. Uh, so I would like to to learn more about that, Mr. Jarvis. So well, I'm looking forward to your interview. Yes, uh, and in that interview, they, they do say... <laughs> We basically locked everything down because I also asked about obviously there have been so many legacy games since Pandemic Legacy 1 and 2 and they kind of said you know we didn't really look at them because we'd already finished it by the time they all came out you know they were done with this essentially in 2017 or you know 2018 um, beginning very latest so yeah they were just saying like yeah it's we we've been done with it for a while essentially and then hand it off to the artist and to the publisher to to put the visuals to it but the the bulk of the story and the gameplay was was done years ago, mm. so I think it's it's very fortuitous yeah, um, for them miracle. that that's it's a... not uh, not as heavy on the the pandemic theme off the bat anyway mm. uh, as before. No. But yes, more to come on Pandemic Legacy Season Zero, I'm sure. Uh, so, but moving on to things that we can speak openly about uh, and not have to walk in awkward sentence circles. <laughs> There is... Let's go into some news, shall we? As we've kind of crossed that boundary already. Um, So, this week, there's some interesting bits coming out. There is a new Star Wars Destiny expansion called Transformations, uh, which is interesting for two reasons. One, it's a print-and-play expansion, so you can just download it, you can print it out and use it. Two, Star Wars Destiny was (laughs) cancelled earlier this year, and they said, we're not doing that anymore. And then, five months down the line, they've gone, okay, here's a little bit more of that. So these these cards are available now. You can go to our site. You can go to Fancy Flight site um, to find the link. And they are true to their name. They're transformations. So they are double sided cards, which I think they're the first double sided cards in the game. 
um, and they they have some really interesting kind of throwbacks to the Star Wars series. So there's Anakin, and oh. if if a character on Anakin's side gets defeated, he then flips into Darth Vader and becomes like this rage fueled, you know, villain. Angst boy, yeah. Yeah, there's Luke Skywalker who goes from you know fluffy haired Tatooine, you know, starry eyed teen to you know missing an arm and confronting his father and all of that uh there is there's obi-wan kenobi who goes from living to ghost um (laughs) so he's a character and when he gets defeated he turns into the spirit of obi-wan kenobi and then he can attach to another card such as luke skywalker and help out there um and then there's some interesting stuff on the imperial side with stormtroopers i think it's a series of cards all called send in the troopers and when you draw one or play one, your um, your opponent has to try and can name one of the characters. And if they get it right, uh, I think it stops them turning into an elite version of that character. But there are multiple that look the same, and then you flip them over, and it can be one of several different cards on the back. So there's some, and there's also Han Solo who starts frozen in carbonite, and you can unfor him, uh, or for him even unfor would be freeze for him. Um, to turn him back into Han Solo, Rogan Scoundrel. I love Scandrel. the idea of Han Solo as like a frozen block, and like <laughs> them picking him up using like a rope or something and swinging him around with some sort of weapon. Like People still having to defeat him. <laughs> like a soap on a rope. Solo on a rope. Solo on a rope is pretty good. Uh, but yeah, that's. That's available now. That's kind of all there is to say on it. It's 12 cards. They're double-sided. But it's just interesting that, yeah, they cancelled it back in February, I think. Um, What might have happened is this might have been an idea they'd had for a while. uh, And then, of course, when whoever's decision it was to cancel it uh, did, they might have been like, oh, we've got this in the banks. It's basically done. We might as well just shoot it out as an act of goodwill. That's what I'm imagining happened. It's like this. Like when RTD2 and C3PO creep aboard the escape pod and sod off to Tatooine. Yep. That's what it is. Yep, exactly. Yep. Uh huh. (laughs) I was trying to think of another Star Wars analogy. There's plenty, but let's not get into it. Uh, There's also, there's rumblings of a new Descent game. Uh, These are just rumblings at the moment. So, uh, this is, so Descent Journeys in the Dark. Uh, the kind of dungeon crawling fantasy game set in the world of Terranoff, which nobody really cares about, but boy, they're really they're really trying to make you care about it. Yeah. They really want you to care about Terranoff. They're releasing all those fiction yeah. titles. And they put out an RPG supplement for um Genesis. They they really, really want you to care about Terranoff, but boy, Terranoff is it's just Boring. a bit bland. Yeah. But Descent is a like it's a decent dungeon crawling game. Uh, I think the last edition came out in 2012. That was the second edition of Journeys in the Dark. Um, so there have been expansions since then, and then they announced last year that they weren't doing any more expansions. And now, uh, actually via one of those tie-in novels, trying to really get you to invest in Terranoff, <laughs> um, there has been the the suggestion that there is a new Descent game on the way called Legends of the Dark. Descent Legends of the Dark. Uh, so this was spotted by someone called Ian Short, uh, and then Board Game Geek reported it. So thank you for that. Uh, but the the description for the Shield of Daquan, a Descent Journeys in the Dark novel on Amazon, 
uh, included mention of quote a brand new edition of the huge, huge uh, the hugely popular game, revealing the name Descent Legends of the Dark, and then they updated it to just say, oh, it's based on the really popular Descent games. Oh. So it vanished from that from that product page. But then, uh, well, previously people then dug this up. Um, a Reddit user called Igats, they found a U.S. trademark filing. Uh, on June the 12th from Asmodee North America for a game or a board game or card game, the way trademark filings work, uh, called Le- uh, Descent Legends of the Dark. So it seems to be pretty well backed up. Um, but at this point, there's no further information. We've uh, we've reached out to Fancy Flight uh, to you know try and find out more, but they haven't responded yet. And there's no official tease or suggestion of when this might come out or what it could be whether it's a a new edition of the same game whether it's a different game in the same series Mm. uh but the the shield of daquan is due for release on february the 2nd next year so it may be a while before we see anything more about this and it's worth saying that that trademark filing was only a month ago or so so it's still pending at the moment so this might be very early days but it seems that something something's afoot. I don't know whether I can physically wait for Shield of the Corn, whatever <laughs> that book was called. I'm so excited about reading about the world. Uh, I just can't control myself. Um, enough of the sarcasm. I just want to say it seems like Fantasy Flight have been experiencing a lot, a lot of like little slips lately. In terms of things being rumoured and, and, and such, because they had um, Twilight Imperium? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the new, well, the first expansion for 4th edition was heavily rumoured, which we covered uh, with, like, a press release and box art and everything. Uh, and we did reach out, and unfortunately we've not had any response from Fantasy Flight regarding that, but like with Twilight Imperium and now Descent, it's like, oh, okay, quite a few things popping up, Fantasy Flight, and yet they seem to continue just prefer to prefer the approach of we just won't talk about it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think. One. No, carry on. I was going to say, I wonder whether it's down to everyone working at home, more things being sent over the internet, there's just yeah. more of a chance of of something getting lost or being pinged to the wrong email address or just being uploaded to a an unprotected drive somewhere and something slips out and then finds its way into into the world. Hmm. I was just going to say, if, if the rumours are accurate and this TI expansion is coming, 8-player Twilight Imperium 4, <laughs> sign me up. It's going to be so stressful. I'm going to lose so many friends. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that they keep the estimated play time at the same I know. I think it still says four to or two to four hours or four. Good luck. That's so <laughs> funny. Hours. You can like, maybe that's very ambitious. You can maybe smash out a three-player game in two to three hours. Maybe eight players jog on like book out a weekend. <laughs> Are you kidding? You're talking fourteen hours minimum. It's a very impressive again. If if what has been rumored is true, it's an incredibly impressive expansion for what's there like not only is it increasing the player count there's also new factions new tiles yeah you expand the game board it's about like, 40 of them 
and yeah, little that... mechs and a wormhole nexus, mm. which was yeah. added in expansions to TI3, but it's coming back. So as a big fan of the gravity rift, wormhole nexus, let's let's do this. So uh, this looks like, if it is true, it's going to be a really big, chunky, chunky addition to fourth edition. Mm-hmm. And it's worth saying that hasn't been officially confirmed yet either. No. Uh, no. But it's kind of snuck out on a product sheet uh, that found its way onto, I think, I think Reddit again, uh, and was suggested that it will cost $100. So you would hope there would be a substantial amount of stuff in there uh, for your money. Uh, and on similar lines, while we're talking about it, the new expansion for Civilization, or Sid Meier's Civilization, A New Dawn, uh, specifically Terra Incognita, uh, which was leaked previously and has now been officially confirmed um, by Fancy Flight. And that, again, is like a a bigger box it's $40 so it's almost the same as the base game but it adds a number of new things armies and uh, districts and things from Civilization 6 on the PC um, so I think I seem to remember it was either last year or the year before Fancy Flight kind of came out and said look we're going to stop doing loads and loads of expansions and what we're going to do instead is kind of do bigger expansions on a less frequent basis and basically wait and see that you know, people are enjoying these games and make sure that when we're putting something out, it's kind of a, a substantial thing. So these mm. these line up with what they've said previously. I um, mean, they're still very much firing out stuff for, like, X-Wing and, and like, Champions, Marvel Champions, and all, and Ark of Horror, uh, the living card game. So they're definitely not slowing down on that mm. regard. Mm. But those games are much better suited to you know more frequent expansions anyway because they're basically built on like a life what's what's the word like a a longer lifetime of like content coming out Mm. um whereas games like descent and twilight imperium you know they can just stand on their own without all the extra little stuff so i think it makes sense that they're doing expansions like this yeah, for sure. Uh, and just closing off news, uh, which is a story we did last week. Uh, apparently, Tabletop Games had their biggest, or are having their biggest ever year on Kickstarter again, uh, including their biggest month ever, thanks to one particular game, which is Frosthaven, uh, which is now the biggest board game ever on Kickstarter, with $13 million raised. Um, but yeah, apparently, despite, well, everything this year, uh, Kickstarter continues to go strong. Um, so and Frosthaven is a big part of that I think it was responsible for about 10% of all the money that tabletop games have made on Kickstarter in 2020 so far it made more money than every tabletop game in April combined when it launched in May or completed in May so Frosthaven doing really well but also kind of keeping Kickstarter up Um, Mm. there have been fewer so this is from Ico Partners um, kind of an analyst and research firm so they they said there have been fewer projects as a whole on Kickstarter, but then they tend to be making more money. So people haven't necessarily stopped putting their money towards these massive boxes. Mm. Uh, they just happen to be fewer of them launching. The thing so. is, Kickstarter is a weird one because uh, having trawled through it every day for the past nine months, um, you get the sense that there's a lot of stuff in there that just exists but doesn't actually do anything uh so obviously 
you know, certain projects get put on there that don't really go anywhere. Uh, because, you know, people have passion projects and things. Uh, the stuff that tends to do well is the stuff built on, you know, designer names, publishers, their sequels, things like that, that tend to explode. Um, I think it's a much surer bet for creators to put stuff on there that already have, like, an existing fan base because they know that fan base will come along and financially support the product like they did with Frosthaven and on the one hand you know it's great to hear that Kickstarter is doing well um, but on the other hand sometimes it is concerning that there are certain projects that are sort of eating up a lot of the flow of money more uh, and letting smaller projects kind of you know, uh, what's the word, stagnate um, just because they're not, you know, attached to a huge name or, you know, they're not a sequel or they, they don't have miniatures in the box. Like, I think a lot of these big games are taking a lot of money because they cost a lot uh, and they also have, like, a lot in them. Like, and people like games like that. They're very popular. Like, the big miniatures games. Um, they do well and there's some really good ones on there like I'm sure Frost Haven is going to be great but uh, I personally would prefer I, I'm sure it's still the case but I personally lean towards a Kickstarter that's, that has a, has plenty of variety in there, both the size of the project, the money it's asking for and the games themselves Yeah, it feels weird in a way that Kickstarter has become this thing where big games go to make lots of, to make tens of well, millions of dollars yeah. Whereas when it started out, it was like, oh, this is a way of people who can't afford the upfront cost to get something made, but they've got a great idea to go yeah, out is... and find a, um, people who are interested. Sorry, I find that really frustrating, though. Like, like I, do, I get really annoyed when publishers go and put stuff on Kickstarter. Like, I know why they do it, but it, it does, it was supposed, well, at least it feels like it was supposed to be there as a platform for people who are, like, self-publishing or who don't have that access that, that pub- publishers already have um, and it's it's like it's a lot of companies like that have gone the same way like even if you think about Airbnb that used to be people just renting out like their homes and their rooms but now it's people doing that as a business who have property just to have it as an Airbnb it's like it's, a lot of these kind of things are going the same way and it's really like frustrating because it's like mm. it was supposed to be there for those people who don't have that access mm. or whatever and it's. I feel like it's being abused a little bit. Um, yeah. I think. I feel like publishers have other ways of doing that without using Kickstarter necessarily. So, I don't know. Mm. Maybe it's just me, but I find that. No, really I, th- I think it might also be the case of like games of the size of like Crosshaven. Uh, I I don't know the specifics of how much it costs to produce a board game. But with board games getting bigger and bigger and having more elements in them and selling on those elements, you know, like people are like, oh, how much is in the box? I do notice that there are a lot of conversations of like what components are in the box, you know, how much is it? Um, I think it is the case of like, oh, we have to go to Kickstarter to fund the production. And whether or not they actually do have to do that, I don't know. Uh, but I can see like parallels between like early access video games, for example, that don't necessarily need to be early access, 
but are because you know they're like oh we don't have quite enough money yet to to launch fully and kickstarters by publishers who you're like do you really need to do this hmm. it's why uh we fought being like the first game from leader games to not go on kickstarter it's like oh that's good because i think the natural flow of things would be you start on Kickstarter if you're a small publisher or you're self-published, and then you get to the point where you don't need Kickstarter anymore. Mm-hmm. You can release things on the retail market. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think it just makes it. There's no risk, right? They know exactly how many copies yeah. they've sold. They don't have to produce and try and guess. We saw that with, um, I think, Tapestry from Stonemaier Games. Um, they came out and said, oh, or Wingspan even. I think they made ten thousand copies because they don't use Kickstarter, and then obviously demand was way higher. And so then people had to wait for a second run. So that's kind of the downside of almost playing it by ear. You can only the predict so well. You know, if something takes off or something doesn't sell, you're left with either no money or, or yeah. Yeah, the thing the thing is though with Kickstarter is it's it can be the case of once a game leaves Kickstarter, then you might not see it again ever or for a very long time. So it makes things less accessible for people who don't want to bank their money which they might not have much of on something they're not sure about Mm. Um, I do think that providing a retail option is really important because it means that people can get an idea of oh this is worth me investing my money in Uh, I'm going to get a copy now Um, yeah I just think there's a lot of mm, iffiness around Kickstarter that's my issue though with like established publishers publishers using kickstarter though Mm. because i'm sorry saying like oh it's hard to predict like you know if we have too much stock or too little stock that's business if you're making a product that's just something you're gonna have to deal with like all other companies who make products have to try and just make a guesstimate of how many like they think they need to produce that's just how it works like if you're going to be making a product that's what you're doing so like i like i think especially if you're a more established publisher you need to just get better at working that out um, or like or like put it to, you know, I mean, you're going to ha- have events where you can put it in front of people and get feedback. Like there's other ways to go about it. Um, like I understand. I think it's important for people starting out because they don't have that money to 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 like risk and they don't have maybe the like traction to try and figure out what works. Um, but that it that just like it just comes back to that annoys me. Like you should know what you're doing at this point if you're more established and are having to. Um, and also, like people will wait if it's that good. People will be like really excited for the next print. Um, and surely, like it it'll take a few months. But like once you've made it, it shouldn't take a huge amount of time to get more copies of it made. It depends how many dead hamsters you put in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a complex thing because there are like a number of board game publishers because it's not a it's not a huge market outside of Hasbro, you know, and maybe Fantasy Flight is up there as well. And they obviously do go direct. They don't tend to use Kickstarters, but, you know, they I don't think there's any downside for them at the moment. They kind of get the marketing of Kickstarter. There's no risks to them. And as long as people keep backing these projects, they'll keep putting them on Kickstarter. I think it's. It's interesting to see the comparison with something like so GMT Games, uh, who make Twilight Struggle and a load of niche war games. Yeah. They don't use Kickstarter, but they have their 500 um, program. So they they won't print a game until there's at least 500 kind of pre-orders for it. Yeah. 
So it's not quite Kickstarter because they're not taking that money until it gets confirmed. But people are able to kind of say, oh, I'm interested in that. And then once they know that they've got enough interest, they then print it, which I think is a really good yeah. way of doing it and a way yeah. that feels genuine to, you know, it's it's not just kind of playing off the Kickstarter hype. But it's, it's such a complicated thing because a lot of publishers, even mid, mid-range ones, survive from game to game. You know, it's a huge financial investment to print 5,000, 10,000, even more copies of a game, yeah. to store them somewhere, to ship them. And Especially... so why, why take that risk when it could sink your entire company? Especially if they're, yeah, of a significant size and they they cost a lot to produce, you know, I can imagine it is a huge risk for for any, well, most publishers, whenever they release a new game. But I don't know. It, it's a very much a an industry and a community built on like created hype. So what people are talking about and also particular names in the industry, you know, it will ride a you know, a board game can ride off like a, a designer name, you know, like Jamie Stegmeier or like, you know, once someone, you know, a certain group of people knows that a designer is involved in something, you can pretty much guarantee that like a lot of them are going to be interested in getting it. So I think it just, I think it just needs more balance and it mm. doesn't necessarily, it shouldn't go fully in the way of like certain Kickstarters dominating like the market and obviously, because there's a limited time they they can be on there, I think that that will help, you know, balance things as well. Because like, you're not going to have a Kickstarter that lasts all year. Um, you know, it is a set time. So once that's over, then like others can kind of get a look in. Yeah. But shall we move on to some? Actually, I'm not going to move on to emails yet because we actually have some releases this week. Well. Uh, only a couple uh, releases are kind of flowing or i say flowing releases are dripping out just a little bit just a, just a little like into the bucket um so uh last week uh or as of july 9th uh, so that was last friday uh i could check yeah. the calendar it was last thursday this is this is how it goes folks don't ever remember dates or things anyway undaunted north africa is out um, we ran a review a little while ago. I think Will's played with one of the designers on the channel. Correct. Uh, so if you want to take a look before you pick it up, uh, there are places to do that on this very website. Uh, but I wrote the review and I enjoyed it very, very much. I thought it was even better than Normandy, which was already a very, very good game. Uh, so I would absolutely recommend checking it out. And it's only two player, so it's relatively easy to find, relatively easy to find someone to play with. As well, I think there's a tabletop simulator mod as well if you uh, need to play over the internet with someone. Yeah, and I think that's they... a demo. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. And they also announced a, an expansion. Well, they've announced yes. it for next year, right? So it's a it's ways off. It's very peculiar. Yeah, they announced, I think it's called Reinforced or Reinforcements. Mm. Uh, it's very weird. It's literally not set to come out until next year. And it's, it's just extra, extra cards. Yeah, um, well, it lets you play with, I think, up to four people and then yes. solo as well, so... Yeah, you can do teams of... So there's two, it's still two teams, but it's teams of two people each and there's a solo mode included as well. So, you know, it's not like skinty, but it's still like, why are you waiting? Yeah. Why are you pushed it back this late? Like, when you've just released North Africa, shouldn't it be better to release it a few months 
afterwards to kind of support that but yeah yeah uh, and then the other one, which is out on the 17th, so as of this going live, yes, this Friday, is Munchkin Dungeon, uh, which is kind of a dungeon crawler based on the popular Munchkin franchise of card <laughs> games. So I think Munchkin's become one of those things where it just is one of those games where a lot of people play it, but nobody really likes it. Yeah. It's just, it's... yeah. That's the game that started me on my on my path to board games. Exactly, yeah. I feel like yeah. that's a common story. It's and then right. I haven't played it since. So <laughs> I feel like that is also so a I, common story. Yeah, this so is really a lot know. of it. It's just a lot of munchkin. Mm. I think they're milking that sweet milk. Oh, they've been doing that for a while. And it's sweet not been mun- sweet for munchkin. a long time. <laughs> it's sour. It's just it's chunky. The sour milk of munchkin. Um, uh, now that's that's, that's a podcast title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, that is out as of the seventeenth. Uh, none of us have played it yet, so we can't pass judgment on it. But it's there yeah. if you want to go and check it out. It's there. We it can't exists. pass judgment. Can you but if you read between the lines, <laughs> hey, it could be great. I think I, the... I right. I really enjoyed oh, Bunchkin back when I played it like seven years ago. Whatever. I've not played it since, but that doesn't mean I won't play it again. And I may still like it. You never know. I don't know. Can, can yeah. you imagine a sticker on the front of the box that just says "It's there" and then guys? <laughs> That's the best review it's had. That's why it's on the sticker. Oh, <laughs> for what it's worth, for the sake of editorial balance, I've heard okay things about the collectible munchkin card game they put out a couple of years ago i believe that was to, it was co-designed by eric lang so it's got some design props to it but i've heard that despite the fact it's munchkin it's it's pretty okay you know wow and that's what and that's dice breakers dice breakers stance on cut it munch- print it slap it on the well, box let's not go overboard seal of approval it's a seal of acknowledgement that it exists yeah <laughs> Okay, let's move on to emails, and Yay. none of them are about Munchkin. Uh, <laughs> Lolies, would you like to read this one from Paige, please? Sure. Hello, Dicebreaker team. I have been talking to my friends about watching your channel, watching Oxventure, and suggested we play a few different games settling on D&D. None of us have played any tabletop before, but they are all super excited in creating characters. As we're all busy, we want to keep it casual. Rotate DMs, I'm first up. To give us all a turn at it and keep t- sorry, keep to one shot stories that can be wrapped up in one session. I've been thinking about trying to run one shots based on campaigns I've watched on YouTube like Oxventure, as I'm least familiar with them and the others haven't seen them. As I'm at least sorry, uh, familiar with them and the others haven't seen them. Do you recommend for or against this? Do you have general advice for writing one-shots, using pre-written one-shots, or just generally keeping adventures short, D&D or otherwise? Regards, Paige. P.S. I have a bad joke to tell Lolis. I hope it hasn't been told before. I read it in a book for kids when I was five, and I've been telling it ever since. <laughs> I'm excited. <clears throat> what did the grape say when the elephant sat on it? Nothing. It just gave out a little wine. <laughs> Thank you, Paige. I thoroughly enjoyed that. That's very good. <laughs> wow. So um, a lot, a lot in there. A lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. Go. Like in terms of running a one shot based on something you've watched that other people haven't. Like, I'm, Paige, if you want to do that with the Oxventure, absolutely feel free. I'm not going to kick your door in and serve you papers. But 
I think the problem with it is that I think it will leave you comparing how your adventure is going too heavily to what you watched and are familiar with, and that's going to be a strange sort of bit of dissonance that will stop you from really, or it could keep you from really being in the moment with your players. Because if you're thinking, okay, this is the bit where they go over there and find the thing, and they don't go over there and find the thing, you don't want to be sort of low-key panicking, thinking, well, hang on a minute, why aren't they going over and finding the thing? Um, I reckon it... I I think it's it's always the best practice is to give it a shot and try and um, try and write something for yourself. Like you can take inspiration from things um, as a way to get a feel for how long it should be. Like how many locations do they go to? How many quote unquote scenes are there? Is there a lot of fighting? Is there not very much fighting? I think you can get everything you need out of the stuff you're already watching to run a session but you can make it entirely your own because I think that would be more rewarding because like the Ox Ventures are they're, they're, they're their own thing but you don't have to copy them in order to have a good time yeah I agree I think like Johnny's completely right and kind of adding to that I think you can like take broad strokes of um, so the oh sorry Johnny the Ox Venture where they go to a haunted house the name of which I can't remember. Neither but you I. could you could look at that and go, Oh, I really liked the fact that they were in a haunted house and yeah. just take that one idea, but don't necessarily feel like all the small details need to fit in there as well. Mm. Like just be like, Oh, I liked when they did that, or I liked the broad kind of arc of that. Like Johnny said, just taking that kind of rough framework, but then f- colouring it in yourselves, I guess, to to make to mix metaphors immediately and say it much less coherently than Johnny did. But yeah. I think, you know, draw inspiration if you're not confident in yourself, but part of it is you'll, you'll learn as you go as well. Mm, I would say that uh, I every single RPG campaign I've ever made has been inspired by something. Not, not so directly inspired by another RPG campaign or by an actual play, video or podcast, but like by television I've been watching or films or often video games or things like that. Uh, usually it's something that I'm particularly what's the word like obsessed is not the word okay but you know (laughs) enamoured with uh, at the time and then I'll create something to kind of express that need to think and do things with that um, by making it into a campaign or a one shot Um, so like I am the firm believer nothing is truly original you're always taking things from elsewhere, but like if you just base it on an existing campaign, yeah, you're going to compare yourself, what you're doing, what other people are doing, to what's already happened, and I think that can be really dangerous because with actual play podcasts and videos, you know, series becoming more popular, people want to experience, you know, that they're like, oh, these people are so awesome, you know, they look like they're having so much fun, I want to have that, but the thing to remember is. A lot of the people DMing that stuff have a huge amount of experience. They have many other skills and talents as well. The people playing the characters are often, you know, incredibly talented and, you know, uh, individuals who have a lot of experience, like with Critical Role. Um, You cannot expect to have the same level of experience there there i was Game thinking you were going to build a dungeon breaker <laughs> oh they're all so talented they've all got so many skills just like critical role yeah, <laughs> never mind 
Um. <laughs> Awkward. Um, no, we're all wonderful on, on Dungeon Breaker as well. That's why the people love us. Wow, but, that um, was such a backhanded compliment. A, I can we taste We give it a go, blood. don't we? We give it a go on Dungeon Breaker. We, um, ha- we have a laugh. We give it a go. We try. <laughs> Look, okay. We try. We're brave. <laughs> we were there. We attended. I'm, we exist. <laughs> Dungeon Breaker as well. Like, what, yeah. I would, like, kiss my own butt. Like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. oh no, we're the munchkin of D and D group. Oh, God. That's not just the there. podcast title. No. Um, <laughs> can it be? We give it a go, <laughs> or we exist. It's here. Um, no. Um, yeah, and like, Quest was made for those reasons because, like. TC Sotek wanted to create a RPG that would allow people to have those kind of similar experiences. But yeah, go as Fleetwood Mac once say, you can go, go your own way. All right. Well, thanks, Paige, and it's thank fine. you for the joke. Uh, I should have said this more up top, but if you have a question for the podcast, you can email podcast at dicebreaker.com. Uh, or, always include a joke for me yeah we, we actually have had quite a few and I've had to space them out over different episodes because otherwise <laughs> it would just be a joke podcast but rest assured there are more I there mean some would more. say we're already a joke podcast match <laughs> <Hey! laughs> self deprecation yeah it just keeps rolling in now first of all we're not you know we're not critical role the next we're just a joke anyway Johnny, would you like to read this one from Brian? Nothing would give me greater pleasure. Hi, Dicebreaker team. My question is regarding Pandemic, a game you all speak so highly of. Um, <laughs> sorry, inflection, my own. Um, I have played the original game several times with several different groups, and every time we play, it feels that for each given turn, there is the clear logical move that should take place, or you can waste a turn and potentially lose the game for everyone. It feels to me to be lacking any room for risk slash reward or alternative strategies, and as such, feels more like following a process rather than playing a game. Am I playing the game wrong? Is this something that changes in the Legacy Editions? Brackets. I have not bought any of these, assuming they would play slash feel the same. I'm a fan of cooperative gaming and like the idea and setting of Pandemic, but it just doesn't seem to land for me. Your suggestions and advice would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Brian. Um, it sounds like he. It sounds like Brian, you are playing the game correctly. It's the simple fact of co-op games like Pandemic, there it will there will always be an optimum move to take. Um, it's just the challenge comes in whether you can all see it and think ahead far enough to to get those um those synergies going and ensure that as you know what may feel like the the best move for that character in that instance may actually leave the next person not set up especially well it's kind of like uh thinking a few turns ahead in chess it is just it, a lot of it is just about yeah planning and making the most logical decision with a view to setting yourself up for future turns um and you know if that's not engaging wouldn't worry about it yeah. yeah, I would say so pandemic there's the option to add in more epidemic cards to make a harder difficulty which might then you might find that you're stuck between two like a rock and a hard place more often um, because certainly you can get into a rhythm if you play with the same people a lot as well where you're just like oh I don't know what to do here we're going to use this like this and you just wipe the board and you win time after time 
Um, I say with Legacy, uh, seasons one and two, because I can't because I can't speak to season zero. Um, <laughs> but seasons one and two, I think they actually do a really interesting job with putting you in more situations where you won't have a perfect outcome. Partly because your your actions have permanent consequences in a lot of cases. So if there's an outbreak, there are cases where you will have to put a sticker on a board or things will change permanently and therefore that will then change future games. So it, it changes a lot more as you play again and again. And also Legacy has a built-in kind of balancing system. Uh, at least two of the Legacy games, let's say, have this balancing system um, where you you start so stop with... Stop making me talk <laughs> about Pandemic Season Zero. I won't do it. <laughs> so you, you have a, a funding level um, yeah. because you're working for a health organization and it starts at X number. And that's the number of event cards you have in your deck. And if you win a game in a month uh, and progress to the next month, your funding level then goes down. So you have fewer of those helpful cards. So it kind of then tries to find a level where you might win two games, but then things have shifted enough where the third one you don't win. So you'll have to repeat that month and things like that. So I think actually Legacy does a much better job of throwing up new challenges because there are also new rules, new kind of gameplay elements but it's very much designed where you're not going to have a perfect sweep month after month. You will be forced into a situation where it's like, okay, we have to let that city, you know, suffer the consequences because we can't save this city otherwise. Um, speak, you know, speak for yourself, Matt Jarvis. I know, you seem to be really kind of innately good at Pandemic Legacy, which is yeah, I think deeply upsetting. I should get the Dicebreaker title of Pandemic Legacy Master. <laughs> well... All yours? No. <laughs> oh, no, no, not yours. Sorry. <laughs> no, sorry, not not yours. Well, uh, we should try the. There's a. They do pandemic tournaments. Maybe we should uh, go head to head at some point for this title. I actually was a referee at one. Really? Yeah, I, I was. I was a referee. What are they called Sur- survival series? Is that the? Um, it's mm-hmm. where you play in teams, don't you? You play two v two, I think, and there's like a preset deck. Yeah, yeah. So ours had a preset deck, mm. um, and there was—I think—I don't think it was two v two in the one I play, uh, refereed in. I don't think anyway. It was a few years ago, but yeah, that was fun. I just had to go around and make sure no one was cheating, and also if anyone had any like clarifications or anything they needed, I was there. Do you just walk up to someone like, "What are you doing?" and they open their mouth to reply, and it's just full of cubes. <laughs> full of cubes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only had to look after like two tables, so I just kind of stood between them and just. With a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, slapping my uh, hand with the baseball bat so they I knew think, who's boss. I think Lolis might be talking about, I believe there's also another version of a tournament where it's just survival. So you mm. just like play, um, I think you just have to play subsequent games of, of Pandemic. Uh, and whoever basically survives the most games, I think, is the winner of the tournament. So... I think that's... I was part of one at a board game cafe. It wasn't like an official one or anything. It was just like a, you know, casual one. I don't think I did very well from what I remember. So, you know... Oh, well, the pandemic master falls. (laughs) Uh, It was years ago! (laughs) All right. Mian, would you like to read this one from Will? Oh, I would. Yes. Um, Will says, Hi, Dicebreaker. My question is about the best way to teach board games to people. 
I find people tend to glaze over when explaining the rules of board games. I was wondering if you had any tips or tricks on how to teach games to new people, especially to those who are new to games or are playing slightly chunkier games. Hope you are all staying safe and well. Keep up the great content, Will. We are staying safe and well, I believe. Mm -hmm. So we've answered that question. <laughs> Lolies, I feel like you're the, yeah. the go-to guru here. We've had this yeah. question quite a few times, but... Mm -hmm. I actually, well, I was actually teaching a game just today, and, um, uh, yeah. So I, what I usually do is I'll kind of give an overview of, like, what the goal is and just, like, general things that they're trying to do. And then after that, it's very much like I'll hold your hand for the, at least the first few rounds um, while you get to grips with all the kind of other rules. Um, and I'll, like, walk you through your turn and stuff like that. But um, that's what I usually do. I kind of like try not to dump all of the rules at the beginning. I try to just tell them the like need to know bits and the like win conditions. So they kind of have a vague idea of what they're aiming for. And then um, I'll kind of like, yeah, sit, obviously sit with them if I'm playing with them, whatever. Um, and just kind of watch what they're doing and then kind of let them try and figure it out themselves. And if they do something wrong, I'll go, actually, no, you're supposed to do this. Or, you know, they'll ask me what to do, whatever. But um I think that's what kind of works for me usually when I teach games, because um, I think dumping all the rules is, is a bit overwhelming, and I think when people have to then try and like figure it out to a certain extent themselves, it helps them actually remember what to do, because they're, they're piecing it together themselves to a certain extent. But you're also there to support. Hmm. That's what I do. It's like parenting. You gotta yeah. let the little baby bird fly away. You gotta keep them in, keep them, keep an eye on them, but let them, let them run around and experience the world that they're hmm. in. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure I've said this before, but Lolis, you've taught me a few games at this point, and I've always found, yeah, that I get them within a few rounds. Yeah, so, you are really, oh. really good at explaining games. Oh, go Thank on, Lolis. Yeah, I remember when I was at EGX and I had to talk, like, talk. I had to teach quite a few games to people. Uh, sometimes people who were <laughs> sort of taken aback by me going up to them when they're sat down and being like, do you want me to help? And they're like, who, who is this person? And then I have to explain that I'm just not some <laughs> rando who's muscling in. Um, that happened quite a few times. Um, I don't know. I find being animated, you know, like, uh, like you know, asking people you get it like you need me to explain it you know like just making sure that they're following because like sometimes you know you you have to like jog people to be like you you get me you're following uh you're not just like s yeah sat there sort of glazed over um I yeah i do that as well i like, usually there's mm. a point where i'm like i maybe dumped a lot of information i go does that make sense yeah <laughs> um and then that's their kind of moment to go not really <laughs> or yeah <laughs> Actually. Or just sit there and stare at you with big old wide eyes and be like, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. I mean, I didn't have much to add because I think yeah, I just follow what Lolis does. Lolis is very good at it. So yep. follow that advice and you'll be sound. Uh, let's jump over to this one from Elliot Morris, uh, which is not about board games at all. Uh, oh. Who would win, a gonk droid or an orangutan? 
Just want your thoughts. It's up to you, the age of the orangutan and all other variables. You're kidding me. They Just got, a bit of world building for a session I might run. <laughs> I want to see this world. Gunk droid doesn't stand a chance. Gunk, yeah. gunk droids like, can barely walk, whereas a power-to-weight ratio on an orangutan... Like, are you kidding me? It's 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 mm. over. And an orangutan's not going to be intimidated by one mournful gonk <laughs> as it emerges from the droid while it's being having what passes for its head torn off. The orangutan's <laughs> going to like mess that thing up before lunch. Yeah, I think. I don't know. Of... I met. I, I I had a connection with an orangutan a few years back, and I he was he seemed very sensitive. I don't know if he would be that violent. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you, you knew an orangutan, Lily. Yeah, that's why I don't go to zoos anymore. It was very sad. I mm. don't understand. Okay, I don't know if there's like context <laughs> on this thing here, but okay. Uh, Matt, what are you going to say? I was going to say, I, I think back to when, I don't know if they still do this, but when you could drive through monkey enclosures in a car mm-hmm. and they would climb on the car and tear all the bits off it. And I feel like the gonk droid would be like that. Like the equivalent of that, but maybe it's like a small car wash, like drive-through car wash, and there's yeah. an orangutan, and it just the gonk droid passes through a conveyor belt and just gets torn to bits. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, gonk gonk droid's not not making it. Mm-mm. The thing is about the gonk droid is here we go. What it what it lacks in you know size, strength, maneuverability. Yeah, all those. <laughs> uh, actually, well, all those things it can make up for in charisma. Really. <laughs> mm. I actually don't know maybe, anything about these things. No, if it's maybe, been torn apart by an orangutan. Maybe the orangutan doesn't want to tear it apart. Maybe it likes the gonk droid. But we took like the the question. The premise of the question was that they are fighting. You can't say well, the gonk droid wouldn't lose because the orangutan the, wouldn't want to fight. That's just rejecting the premise well, of the question. <laughs> well, actually, Elliot said the variables are up to us. Exactly. I, yeah, but I, I still, and also, I still also, feel like... the question was who would win, not who would win in a fight. So this could be who would win in a chess match. Who would exactly. win in a game the gonk droid doesn't have any arms. Hopscotch. Who would win? I don't know. My money's on the orangutan in nine win? out of ten scenarios. Who would win in a stand-up? comedy performance yeah the gonk droid it's only got the one joke right monkeys are pretty funny it depends what kind of monkey i mean i'd say orangutan an orangutan's an ape first and foremost sorry Sorry. forgive me uh i did think that as soon as monkeys came out of my mouth i was like that's wrong you know the orangutan is from what i remember of looking at orangutan they seem to be fairly chilled out for the most part what if I the think... competition is who would win at being an ape? Or, you there know. You go. Orangutan. <laughs> you know what? I reckon, the, I reckon the orangutan would even be in a shot, uh, in with a shot, uh, uh, who's best at being a droid. That's how mm. confident I am in the orangutan. Yeah. Poor, that poor gonk droid. When yep. you said totally. about stand-up comedy, all I had in my head was, what's the deal with gonk? <laughs> <laughs> so are we, are we split into the boys think... The orangutan and the girls. Wait, well, no, I don't I know think what it, you what think, ladies. I, I don't know what I think. I don't know. The jury's out. This... <laughs> we need more. Yeah, we need to know exactly what they're competing in. Please, yeah. Please more. don't send I any don't. suggestions. I don't. It's the orangutan. <laughs> 
Is this going to be the continuing bit? Orangutan or Gonk yeah. Droid? It's going to be our version of chess. Baboon or Badger from Pop Bitch. <laughs> Which is a uh. newsletter. Uh, all right, I think we've got time for one more, perhaps. Uh, Johnny, would you like to read this one from Chris? Mm. Let me just pull up the podcast doc again. Uh, da, da, da. Podcast doc. I hubristically put it away because I thought orangutans were going to give us enough steam to uh, to see out the podcast with. Chris says, Nerddom often seems to go hand in hand with introversion and mental health struggles. Knowing that at least some of the Dicebreaker team have issues on that front, how do you drive yourselves to get out and play games rather than bunkering down at home? Brackets, virus, non-withstanding. Um, personally, I feel like games help me. Hmm. Um, there was a day a couple of weeks ago where I was having a really, really rough day. Like, I I don't usually suffer from anxiety, um, and I, I had a, a, I think I was suffering from anxiety that day, um, or at least it felt like what I had heard other people describe it to feel. Mm. And, but I had to play a game that day for work, and I was like, I don't know if I can do this, but I was like, I'm gonna do it, and. We played the game, and afterwards I felt a thousand times better. But that that's just me, maybe. And that might have just been that one occasion. It might have just been the people I was playing with and the game we were playing. Like, that's not to say that's always the case. But um, I think overall, I feel in general, games for me is a distraction, and it often helps me get out of a funk. Mm. Even though I have to sometimes... like drag myself but the thing is i don't think i ever drag myself to play a game i think if i'm not up for it i i just don't play but if i if i feel like i'm sad and maybe i should play a game or somebody suggests a game it, it can help for me personally yeah i'm much the same to be honest like uh playing board games like going around to a friend's house with the same group of people i always play with and we all sit down we're like okay let's shut everything else out and just play some games and talk nonsense that's my like that's a really happy place for me so I don't find it hard to gravitate towards that because it actually does help me um I think much like Loli's like I think the the trick is knowing when I'm like just just going through it a bit too much to to go out and play games um I suffer from anxiety quite a lot and I don't know games games give me something to focus on that isn't me or the people around me it's like we can just all look at the same thing and, and talk about them uh, talk about that thing rather and kind of focus on it but if I am ever struggling to go out uh, I find thinking about what types of games I want to play is really important being like okay what game would soothe me right now what type of game experience would I not be able to to get on board with like how complex are we talking how adversarial um, and then sometimes I just sort of have to psych myself up a bit sort of like give myself a list of reasons why I am going out um, and that sort of does it for me I think it's also okay if you start a game and you realise through it that you're not able for it. I think mm. it's also perfectly fine to just step away and just be honest with yourself and with the people you're playing with because at the end of the day there's no point in dragging yourself through an experience you're not you you maybe realise that you, you're not up up for. Yeah. Mm. Agreed. Like I, I get quite severe anxiety at points and i think games like well, like johnny and lolis have said in some ways it's not like I, I love board games and i like the experience of them but in some ways the beneficial effects of board games are more 
what come as the result of board games rather than the game itself. Mm. It's being with friends. It's having that focus, like Johnny says. And so actually, you know, I love I love board games and I love particular board games, but sometimes it could be almost any game and it's more the situation as a whole. And like I said, there's no point forcing yourself to play a game thinking like, oh, this will make me feel better or or trying to make someone else play a game. You know, it's it's just what you feel makes sense in the moment. I find D&D is helpful for that as well, just in terms of, okay, I can embody someone else for a while. You know, I can just play up this character, not worry about my own insecurities or neuroses or whatever it might be. I can just get into the head of this character and that's A, a focus for me and B, it means that I can almost detach myself from the outward um, expression of myself. Mm. If that makes yeah. sense. I uh, so I don't suffer from social and un- social anxiety so much. Um, like I, I tend to find going into social situations, even with people I don't know, that doesn't spark any any issues within me. Like anxieties that I get tend to be around like whether I feel control of my life situation in general. Um, but like I do sometimes have anxieties around playing certain kinds of games particularly ones that I feel like I'm not especially good at uh, and like feeling very what's the word like um, sort of like when everyone else is kind of grasping what's happening and I'm just struggling um, even when I'm like adding up points at the end of a game like I'm so bad at mathematics like particularly mental maths and I really struggle with adding up points so if like everyone else is doing it you know I have to use a calculator I just can't do it in my head and even then sometimes I struggle to keep track and like there's certain elements of board games that I'm not very good at keeping track of either like if there's loads and loads of things to manage it's why Euro games I'm not really hugely into you know the, the genre because I do struggle with managing all that information and then I'm like well I I'm really rubbish at this um like I find that a lot of people take playing board games too seriously and they particularly focus too much on the competitive element so obviously if they don't win uh, or they're used to winning and they lose then like that can be a serious blow to their mental health and their self-esteem and I think people I think a lot of people benefit from maybe just stepping away from that element of board gaming winning is fun it's great it makes you feel great but I think just not tying yourself and your worth so much to whether you win a game or not is could be a huge help um and just like relaxing and focusing a bit more on like what other parts of you know board gaming you enjoy like hanging out with your friends or like actually the the experience of playing board game you know the board game itself not necessarily what is the most efficient and logical way of me winning this game so um, I'm very much like one of I'm very much someone who doesn't put a huge amount of stock in winning um, I think that it's a I personally for me it's a much healthier way of approaching board games and I do like the others just enjoy being around people that I like and engaging in activity um, in itself so 
Yeah. Hmm. I Good actually am often, um, it often calms me down. If, if somebody's having like a party, be it birthday or what, housewarming, anything like that, I'm not a big party person. Um, but as soon as I find out there's board games, that actually calms me down and it makes <laughs> me more inclined to go. Like, if I'm not sure whether or not there's going to be board games, mm. I, I, you know, sometimes at the last minute I'd be like, I can't, I just can't. But if I know there's board games, I'm like, okay, there's something I feel comfortable there and something to distract me and, you know, something just, yeah, yeah. That, that presence actually calms me down sometimes. Yeah, We had, sorry, man. I was just going to say quickly, I would say that, like, the thing that really puts me off, and I think it puts a lot of people off playing board games, is when there is an atmosphere or a feeling of, like, intense we know this game and you have to play this game and you have to know it and if you don't know it then you know you're going to get funny looks or you're going to get a sense of like you know why are you here like why are you playing with us and I think that is a sense of elitism that that I think some of the worst parts of the community unfortunately and I would say that the less there is of that and I think sometimes people do it not realising they're doing it but I think the the less there is of that the better it'll be for people as well like they won't feel like they're being so judged or they need to be at a certain level to enjoy something what were you going to say matt uh i was just going to say we on loli's point that that was so i got married last year uh to my wife obviously now wife <laughs> um and we neither of us are huge partiers um, and we very deliberately had a table full of very quick, very easy board games, some some just packs of playing cards as well, because it was one of those things where people could come over, and obviously you've got a kind of a, a mix of people, but you could just pick up a game, sit down at a table, you don't have to worry about standing around awkwardly or feeling like you have to go and dance, you can just sit down with a few people, it's a good icebreaker, and it's just one of those things that, even if you don't know other people, because you are all playing the game with each other, you know there is a, a connection there anyway and you don't have to force anything you don't have to feel like you have to like ask them a load of questions or answer a load of questions because you can talk about the game yeah. um but yeah i would say uh you know in board games as in all things be good to each other be good to yourself just yeah they are they're ultimately there for fun like some people yeah. will play them for other reasons but don't play anything if you're not enjoying it if it's not you know enriching your time and your experience just mm. look after yourself particularly at the moment uh with everything being what it is mm. do the things that are gonna take care of you and those around you but uh well said i think you're here that is about uh all we have time for this week oh. uh but we'll quickly uh give you a look forward as to what's coming up on the youtube channel and dicebreaker.com Johnny, uh, what's coming up on youtube.com forward slash dicebreaker? What a good question, Matt Jarvis. Uh, Dungeon Breaker's back. Um, Wait. Did it ever really go away? Yes, it took a week off. So, uh, <laughs> Dungeon Breaker, and then coming up next week, what have we got? It's There is a schedule, it's all written down. I don't have access to it right <laughs> now. Yes. Hmm? Yeah, Johnny, what's oh, going on Gloom, Sunday? Gloomhaven on Sunday? That's what we've got planned, yeah. Um, <laughs> my Geoing Academy with Luke Westaway is going to continue, sort of leading up to him running the Ox Venture uh, for a special one shot. Uh, we blah, 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 blah. the next stream will be a painting one, so you know, get your paint on, come say hi. It's a whole bunch of video stuff, really. 
Excellent stuff. <laughs> Speaking of paint, uh, you can head over to dicebreaker. Uh, no, not dicebreaker.com. You should head over to dicebreaker.com, but you should also head over to dicebreaker.myshopify.com to pick up some of our summer range of merchandise, including a drink your paint water mug. Uh, so happy as, about that. as modelled by no one at the moment, because these are these are so hot and mm. exclusive for the summer that even we don't have them yet. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, photo- yeah. <laughs> we'll Photoshop one in afterwards. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. But yeah, so we've we've got a new mug, we've got a new <laughs> zip hoodie, we've got a new T-shirt, we've got a water bottle, we've got all sorts. A koozie, which is a one koozie, of those jackets indeed. you put on a beer. Apparently that's a trademark. I'd never realised that. But apparently it's one of those trademarks that's been oh, turned into a generic term. Like a oh. Hoover. Like, yeah, exactly. Like Hoover or Frisbee. Oh. In that case, so, this is a drinks sleeve. <laughs> it is a koozie TM, please. <laughs> um, yes, so we have a koozie, we have a water bottle, we have a mug, we have shirt, we have hoodie, we have lots and lots. And then we have the existing shirts as well. So yep. there's plenty on there. And we now ship... Let's say mostly worldwide. I know there are a few countries uh, we're looking into expanding shipping to, but we now ship to the US. We ship to most places around the world, hopefully. So head on over. Uh, and coming up on Dicebreaker.com, uh, we have, as I say, we have an interview with Matt Leacock and Rob Davia about Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. Uh, we have a list of the best sports-inspired board games. We have a new draft guide for Magic the Gathering's latest core set, um, kind of giving you a quick, easy in to that. We have a number of things. We hopefully have a review of the Dishonored RPG coming up very soon uh, from Alex Meehan. Uh, we had a fantastic piece that went up a couple of days ago um, by Amari A. Kill about uh, why black board games are key to the future of the tabletop. Um, Amari is the designer of Rap Gods, um, mm which is a really awesome looking game, which I really want to play. Um, I discovered it only last month. Um, yeah, he's, he's written a really fantastic piece, uh, kind of tied into his own experiences, um, both designing games and playing games, um, which is, yeah, it's really fantastic. So I would recommend everyone read that. And yeah, we will have plenty more coming up. But for now, uh, this is the Dicebreaker podcast for this week. Number 16, the sweetest of episodes. Sweet um, 16. We'll be back with the much more awkward episode 17 next week. Um, but until then, I've been Matt Jarvis. Thank you for joining me, Johnny Chiodini. You're more than welcome. Thank you for joining me, Alex Lowlies. Thank you. See and you next time. Thanks for being here, Alex Meehan. Uh, I'm who, here. Who it's is also a, here. I'm also here. It's been a wild ride, everyone. But we've but made it. Until we are here next week. <laughs> Have a lovely day. Bye. 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 Bye.